Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. As always, I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Welcome to the show, Jeremy and Gretchen. Welcome. Hello. Hello there. So again, on a lot of our stations, we're being preempted by the football games. Boo. Well, I don't know if I'd go boo. The football's interesting, especially if you're a fan, right? But that doesn't mean uh, you have to skip the show. You can pick us up on our podcast, userfriendlyshow.com or theanswerportland.com. Click on podcasts and userfriendly 2.0, and you will see it right there. You can play it at any time on demand. And if you do want to listen to it actually on air, it is still possible. They're airing us overnight, I believe, hmm. at 4 a.m., Oh, wow. Get out the our social media. Crowd. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, <laughs> hey, there's uh, every audience, right? So, <laughs> but I, yeah. would, I would suggest picking it up on the podcast. That's probably a little bit easier and a little bit more whatever time you like. So check it out. We're not gone. We are just hiding a little bit until the end of football season. Got a great show coming up for you this week. We have a guest that is going to be joining us that makes miniatures for role playing and some games. But he has a unique way of doing this, and we'll talk about what that is and how he does it. That's Raza with Paymaster Games. And we are also going to be talking about a lot of questions that have been coming in, dealing with in-car navigation, topic we've touched upon in the past, and dealing with uh, problems that people are having and looking at what to do about them, or at least what they are. We're going to be talking comic books and She-Hulk. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up for you today. Yeah. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. Check it out there on our social media. We're on LinkedIn now under user friendly as well. And what do we have in the news this week? Adden Energy achieves breakthrough in solid state battery development. So, Achilles' heel of electric cars are the batteries. That's something that is definitely becoming more to light. We've talked about this before. And coming up with a way to fix it is going to be more and more important. As we make the switch, California started and other states are following to require that gasoline-powered vehicles no longer be sold in their states. I believe it's 2035. But when you really think about it, that's not that far down the road. So we've got a lot of changes to make to be able to get there and get to vehicles that don't put out carbon, at least not from the vehicle. You still have to generate the power. We've talked about that. But the other side of it is, is the lithium batteries that are used. Even Elon Musk with Tesla has been concerned about this because the prices are going up and there's no way to really recycle the batteries at scale, at least not at this time. I think we will get there. But we're dealing with some other problems that need to be handled. And this startup, which was founded by scientists at Harvard University, is developing a new type of a solid state battery for electric vehicles. They have a proof of concept. They're getting their seed funding and all that stuff in place. They're going to build it up to a handheld version and then eventually scale it up to one that can be used in a car. Now, the cool thing about this is, is supposedly they'll charge in three minutes and last about 20 years. So wow. it does solve a lot of problems on both of those ends. Absolutely. Flooded with AI-generated images, some art communities ban them completely. Yeah, and you know, I kind of get this because what's going on is artists are competing with AI and computer-generated art yeah. Now, I think both are beautiful, but I know from a standpoint, I have said this before, I am not an artist. I can't draw a straight line, which is why I really respect those that are, and I enjoy their work. But I also can see where if you're having a competition to sell your work or even just show it off, 
if you're competing with something that's computer generated, that really isn't fair. It isn't and, fair. You know, <laughs> so I think I think separating it out into categories at the very least, but mm. several of the art communities are actually taking this a step further and saying, hey, we don't want the AI generated work on our site where we are next to art that's created by humans. Yeah, and I, this, I think what they ought to do is make a category specifically for the AIs. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and 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 that's they can win awards in the and compete against each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and absolutely. And it's just this is something called AI art ethics. It's actually a topic that you can look up and see what's going on with it. And some of the sites that have curbed or are banning the presence of this is Newgrounds, Inkblot Art, Fur Affinity, Waxy.org, to name a few. EA announces kernel-level anti-cheat system for PC games. So, gamers like to mod their games, which (laughs) in most cases is fine, but it can cause some problems. One of the most uh, talked about ones this year was in the game Cyberpunk 2077, where you could mod this main character that actually is based on an actor to do things that he really didn't want to be doing on screen. Oh, so, my. Uh, yeah, there are <laughs> there are some difficulties this creates. Now, in a lot of cases, being able to go in and customize your environment and all that stuff, nobody has a problem with that. But when you're getting in and being able to cheat in a game, especially one where you are gaming online or competing in some way and giving yourself an edge over everybody else, this is a problem. So EA is taking a look at this and saying, well, we're going to do this on the kernel level. In, in other words, the operating level of their product, possibly even the operating system, depending on how they implement this, to be able to block cheats or at the very least curb them and let people know what's going on. And EA is one that they already do a lot of stuff. They don't collect information on your system, browsing history, all that kind of stuff, at least according to them. But they do still have this problem with people being able to cheat. Now, I think even with a kernel level system on this, I would be able to get around it. So it probably isn't going to be foolproof, but it will definitely make it more difficult. And I think what could come out of this is that if you do get in and mod something you shouldn't or do something where you cheat, that it would be able to report that that happened if it didn't completely block it. Sounds Hmm. like it. Intel just leaked its 13th 13th generation processor specs. Yeah, this is a little where I work for Intel guy, what was that, 15, 20 years ago now, something like that. It's been Mm -hmm. a while. And I remember when the core was just coming out in those days, and now we're at the 13th generation. So these CPUs are going to run 6 gigahertz at stock. Wow. And that is, for anybody that knows their CPUs, really kind of cool. And you look at some of the different items that are coming out and some of the capability the i9, which is the higher end one, uh, i3900K, will have 24 cores and 32 threads. Wow. And it will run at a maximum frequency of 5.4 gigahertz. Well, that's going to be fast. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Electric vehicles are reviving dead Midwestern factories, which sounds like a good thing. Yeah, this is a, a story that came out of a place called Normal, Illinois. <laughs> I wonder if that's like boring Oregon. Anyway, um, the uh, <laughs> the deal is, is um, Mitsubishi had a factory there that they closed in 2016. And of course, the shuttered factory jobs start to decline in the area. We've seen a lot of what's happened in places like Detroit and 
while they're trying to get all that to bounce back. You don't want it going in that direction. Well, now with these electric vehicle makers and with a lot of manufacturing coming back into the United States, we're seeing them basically be reborn. Ravan bought this factory. They employ 6,300 people, which is actually twice as many as Mitsubishi did. And they're aiming to produce 25,000 trucks, SUVs, and vans this year out of that factory that was previously closed. Apple fixes zero-day vulnerability eight used to hack iPhones and Macs this year. So the name of the vulnerability is eighth, just to clarify that a little bit. And definitely you want to patch your iPhones, iPad, Macs, anything that could be affected by this. They've done zero-day fixes. And I think the reason this is being called that is I believe it's the eighth fix this year for this. Wow. And kernel patches, some different things like that. Also some bugs within the graphics drivers and some of their computers and on and on. What a zero-day exploit is, is it's something that comes out that probably isn't known about. That's a little bit um, questionable sometimes if that's really the case. But what it does do is it allows a hacker to be able to get in and do something with your computer they don't you don't want them to do. In some cases, taking full control and others being able to monitor what you're doing just all the way around, not something that is something that we would want for privacy. So go ahead and update them again. Uh, You've already done this this year many times, hopefully. And as long as you keep it up to date, you should be okay, at least according to Apple. T-Mobile has a bold plan to end smartphone dead zones. Yeah, from our Tech Wednesday this week, Elon Musk is involved with this. They are looking at using Starlink satellites is a way to get signal to T-Mobile phones. There's going to be other companies involved with this too, but this is where it's starting, which basically means anywhere on the planet that you have sight of the sky and access to the satellite, you can make a phone call. And this is a little different than what's coming out in the new iPhone, which is meant for emergency use. You have to get to the right zone, stand up, aim it properly to be able to get a call out. This would work just like it does on any cell phone tower. No roaming, works anywhere in the world type thing and could eliminate that problem, which has actually been a scourge on mobile phones since they came out as dropping calls and not having it workplaces and all of that. Got a great show for you this week. Stay tuned. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now is our guest, Raza with Paymaster Games. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate being on. So you make a product, Miniatures, which is something we've talked about here on User-Friendly in the past a lot for gaming and that type of things. But you have a very unique take on this. So tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it. Okay, well... uh... I primarily, my company, Paymaster Games, primarily focuses on Native American and Polynesian cultures and mythologies. Uh, it's something that I noticed wasn't in the market at the time, and it's something that I really wanted to do. Um, all of our miniatures are handcrafted and hand sculpted. Uh, sorry, hand, hand casted and hand sculpted. So uh, our quality is a little bit better than the stuff being put out there right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about our lines. So I know we met at Emerald City Comic-Con last month, and we had a chance to look at some of what you had, and it was really different. 
and I think very well made. So what got you started in going down this path? Well, um, in the early 2000s, I was looking at branching out. They were ending uh, Warhammer 6th edition, and I was looking, hey, I want to continue doing block army games. And um, so I was taking a look at historical games. And I was taking a look, a pretty good strong look at Warhammer uh, historical battles and a couple of other games. And I noticed that almost all the games out there were focused primarily, were Eurocentric or they were Eurocentric with Chinese and Japanese. And I simply asked a question on a forum board and said, well, are there any Native American armies? I w- I'm Native Amer- I've got Native American in my descendancy. So I wanted to play a Native American army. I didn't really care if it was any of the if it was the big three, which is Aztec, Maya, and Inca. I just wanted to play a Native American army. And um, on the forum boards, a, a guy from Britain said that the Native Americans were nothing more than a speed bump in history. Wow! And didn't amount to anything, and didn't affect the change of history at all. Oh, gee, ouch! And uh, that offended me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I decided at that moment in time, I was going to put out Native American models in the same way, in the same effort that companies were putting out Romans, um, Gulls, uh, English, Spanish, what, what have you. And I wanted to give them the validity on the tabletop that other portions of history had had done. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about some of the specific miniatures you make. Well, right now I'm focusing primarily on, um, I've got lots of different lines. Um, 10, li- sorry, 11 lines right now of, uh, focuses on 11 different cultures, uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, Inuit, uh, Plains Indians, uh, Woodland, which is the East Coast. Uh, in South America, I've got Inca and Tupi, which I haven't made any Tupi models yet, but they're on the list. And um, a lot of Mesoamerican uh, uh, cultures, uh, mostly Maya and Aztec. And then one of the things I'm most proud of is the Pacific line. Uh, I've focused a lot on a different Pacific cultures, uh, the Hawaiians, the Ma- Maori, and then I've also got a Kerbati line, which is I'm the first model company out there to ever cover that subject. Wow. I mean, it just, uh, it just sounds amazing. All right. So the other question I wanted to ask you is just, you know, looking at your website when we talked a little bit, it looks like you also do some games. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, I've made my own game, which is Going Native Warpath, uh, which is a uh, tabletop game, very similar in structure to, let's say, War Machine or Hordes from um, back in the day. I don't know if they still exist or not. I have not looked into it. I haven't seen their stuff in the stores for a while now. Uh, but uh, it's very similar to that. It's uh, 10-man groups uh, led by a powerful war chief. Uh, and you go at each other. It's 10 different factions in the book. The one thing that's unique about it 
is although I do focus on the historical side of things, I do give the player the option to start dipping into the mythical so they can get into mythical creatures to uh, start filling holes in their uh, regiments and stuff like that. So they can take, like, um, the Pacific Northwest can take an onklet, which is a giant orca wolf, to assist in their battles. Or uh, the Mesoamericans can take uh, a giant quasicodal feathered serpent into battle. Neat. <laughs> I mean, just... All right, so tell us a little bit about what it takes to make a miniature, because there's a lot. It's obviously a very artistic thing that would go into that. Do you have to do a lot go- of research? Yes, I've everything goes into a lot of research. A lot. One of the hardest parts about doing Native American stuff and Polynesian stuff is there's the general belief, especially amongst Europe, is that history did not start there until Europeans showed up. So it's really difficult to wow, find. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult to find information on a lot of things. Like for example, Kerbati had an entire religion before Christians showed up, and that religion doesn't exist anymore. Any remnants of that religion doesn't exist anymore, except for the name of the god, which is like some kind of spider god. I have no concept of what any kind of symbolism they had. No uh, practices of what the shamans or priests even looked like, or costuming, or tools of the trade, or anything like that. They just it just doesn't exist. And um, it the same problem. The one thing that we benefit from from uh, Mesoamerican cultures is they they put a lot of things on temple walls and in tombs that we can find. And you can build a lot from that. But on cultures like uh, the Plains Indians, uh, Woodland, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, government officials and soldiers wrote down this information, we wouldn't have any information. They just right. basically don't exist. Wow. I mean, that just uh, that's too talk bad. about making yeah. it hard to research. No, I, yeah. I see where you're coming from because there's a lot of information then that seems like it's been lost and that's really kind of sad but it's cool to see you bringing this back in a way that it gets it in front of people because i've never seen anything quite like that before and um i, I think it's just amazing it's out there so how does someone check out your products where do they go online social media anything like that well i've i've got a facebook page where i try to post as often as i can um my uh fans they post whatever they can as well i and that's uh, Paymaster Games at Facebook. Just do a search for it. I have yeah. my own website, paymastergames.com, where I sell uh, my goods. I regularly post um, when I get enough product. I will put up a uh, Kickstarter about different ideas I have or different goals I want to reach and stuff like that. Uh, my last one, which focused primarily on the Kerbati models and um, that kind of thing, which is really, really, I think it's really neat. And it did really well. It um, met its goal and a little bit over. So that's kind of exciting. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, I'm going to have to cut you off here. We're out of time, but thank you for joining us. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This is the portion of the show where you ask questions and we give you answers. 503-766-6264 is the phone number. One User Friendly on Facebook and Twitter, User Friendly on LinkedIn. That is new now or userfriendlyshow.com. And we've had a number of questions coming in over the last couple of weeks dealing with a subject that we've talked about in the past, and that's in-car navigation. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of discussion going on, whether the factory navigation system's better or these external ones like Android Auto and Apple CarPlay and all of that. And again, if you're not familiar with it, what that basically is, is they just put in a screen that can replicate your phone or near your phone. It's a little bit more than that, but that's essentially what it's doing. So you're taking the Google map, as it were, plugging it into your dashboard or using a wireless connection to have the map on the screen of the dashboard. Now, car manufacturers are pushing this mainly because it's cheaper. They don't have to put in a navigation system. You have to bring your own equipment for it to work. And there's a lot of discussion on whether that's good or not. Now, on the Android Auto side of things, and on the Apple as well, but on Android Auto, especially this summer, you have software that's in the dash that gets updated in the phone. So you have a version of Android Auto on your phone, in other words, and as you get new features and different things roll out like that, they update it just like anything else. And one of the features that was supposed to come out this summer was supposed to be out by the end of the summer, which we've now passed, is something called Cool Walk. Okay. So what is Cool Walk? How is that navigation? Well... It's a part of the system that's going to allow you to be able to page through and flip screens on your car dash. Uh, Apple already does this quite well, and Android doesn't. So right now you can play music and have a number of other features that are put up to be able to be, quote, safely used while you're in the car. But the interface to do it is very out of date. Hmm. Cool Walk is a way to update that. There's some more detail we can go in on that if we wanted to, but that's basically what it is. And the funny thing about it is, is it actually has been in the system for a while now, but Google has not chosen to switch it on yet. And (laughs) the reason for that is we think is it's probably just not ready for prime time. They're not to a point where they've perfected it. They did put out another update. It was hoped that this would come with it about two weeks ago, right at the end of August, but it didn't. They added a few other things, but not that. So we've also heard a lot dealing with this where they've been having some problems with the Wi-Fi connection on certain phones not being compatible, and on and on. And one of the things that was done is a while back is you used to be able to run Android Auto on your phone. Google killed that off so that you have to have a second screen in order for it to work. So my car doesn't have that. In order to play with this, I actually had to order an auxiliary screen off of Amazon to plug it into to get it to function, and it just didn't very well. But That is where they are going with this. So if you have Hmm. a problem where your phone won't connect or there's a bug or something of that nature, all of a sudden you don't have navigation in your car anymore because it's not in the car, it's in your phone. So, you know, that's Hmm. been the question there. So another question that listeners have been asking, and this is one that I've come up with, is which one is really better? Now, I personally have to ask, I'm looking at buying a car, the dealer was pushing Android Auto as a, navigation because it didn't have it. So I asked the dealer the question, well, I need you to explain to me on what you call old-fashioned navigation. You push a button that says map or navi, and the map comes up on your dash. With this new system, I have to bring my phone, connect it, pair it, hope that it'll work either wireless or over a USB cable, depending on the system, 
have signal, be able to get the map to come up over that signal on my data plan. And then if I happen to travel outside of my coverage area, you don't get the traffic information. And what I really ran into is while it did navigate me out of my coverage area to my first destination, I stopped. We went into a place for lunch. When I came out and tried to put in another destination, it wouldn't oh, work at all. Yeah. Now, the answer to that is, well, mm-hmm. I could have downloaded the map. Well, if you download the map before you leave, yeah, it will fix that to some extent. But the map only stays in the phone for 30 days, and then you have to download it again. And the map you're downloading is a specific regional area. You can't get like the whole country or anything like that. So you'd have to do it in pieces. So my question to the salesman is, how is this better? Please tell me, am I missing something here? And uh, he left and went to help someone else. So uh, that was kind of my answer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess that <laughs> so, that would be. Now, what was in the rental car, the Mazda that we that had? Was, that was built-in factory navigation. Oh, because that, that it was pretty good. On, it was through OnStar. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, was, a, it was, was a neat device. I think and that was through Sirius was XM, neat. but yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, right. uh, actually, no, you're right. That was Sirius XM. I remember paging yeah, through and the then, system. But the navigation is still built in the car. Sirius is providing yeah. the, the travel information. So let us know what you think. I'd love to dive into this deeper. You like Android Auto. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. I'm going to talk some more comic books. Got a lot of questions and comments that came in from that segment last week, and uh, we're looking through that and going to start answering questions. But before we get into that, Jeremy, I know you wanted to touch upon some more details. What do you have for us this week? <laughs> well, this is a, um, a sidelight or a tangent on comic books. And since they're all published by several different companies now, um, there's some startling, uh, I don't know if you want to call them similarities, or one is an homage to the other, but um, we, I, I found a lot of a list of a whole bunch of different things, and you know, I looked it up and made sure everything was accurate, but uh, there's some similarities between the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Daredevil. So, uh, okay. Darede- I know it's weird. <laughs> the Daredevil comics were, were published in uh, 1964. By Marvel, and again we have Stan Lee who's involved in that. But the writer was uh, Bill, e- or uh, writer was Stan Lee. Artist was Bill Everett at the time, um, and he's Matt Murdock was a uh, a young boy who uh, rescued an old man from being run over by a big old truck that dumped a bunch of canisters of toxic waste, and one of them hit him in the head. So he goes blind. He gets superpowers so he can still kind of see, but it's a different kind of seeing. So he ends up going and training uh, in boxing from his father and um, martial arts from this uh, a, a blind stranger, let's call him, named <laughs> Stick. Yeah, now, this is important. This is the, the, a, yeah. bl- a stranger named Stick. Think right. about it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, then he goes out and, and works through um, the criminal element of Hell's Kitchen, New York, which is kind of run by the Kingpin and um, a a mysterious group known as The Hand, which is a bunch of ninjas. Okay, Okay. remember that hand? Hand That's interesting too, yeah. Yes, so you're already seeing the connection. So then we go to 
to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was a, a comic book series created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Yep. And that, that started in 1984. It was a black and white co- comic series. It was done very well. Uh, it was it was very violent for what it was. Yeah, but, very very different from the cartoon. Yes, okay? they're, they're in the in the <laughs> oh, first yeah. origin. The first origin scene is literally the same thing. A young boy <laughs> dives across the, the comic book page, saving an old man. Gets hit in the head by a canister, which then bounces a couple more times and falls into the sewer and breaks open in front of the turtles. Mm-hmm. So it's almost exactly the same thing. <laughs> So the, well, the, if it the, works the, once, right? So I, yes, you know, right, I know. Right, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, uh, we also have a couple of articles and and interviews that say that Eastman and Laird actually admit being this being an homage to Daredevil. But right, right. The, simil- the similarities come in where you've got the turtles being trained to, to be ninjas by their master Splinter. Right, Splinter stick, stick Splinter. and Splinter, stick and Splinter. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the ninjas they fight in the criminal element that they're fighting in New York are the foot clan. Yep. Shredder. Foot hand ninjas, you know, it's, it's a lot of weird stuff. And you know, when he first said, Oh, somebody said this and I'm like, really? You know? And so I started asking questions and then it was like, Oh man, I had no idea. Yeah. And (laughs) you know, we've got two different publishing, publishing companies. There haven't been any lawsuits as far as I can can tell. Um, so, you know, it's not exactly the same thing going on in each one and they're not ripping each other off. And it's I don't just... remember Daredevil having an obsession for pizza either. No. Or no, no, he's, that's just regular... <laughs> he's just a regular dude. He just happens to be, you know, blind and, you know, uh, ex- expert in martial arts and, uh, you know, lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's it's just a, a, a weird series of events that seems to tie in and coordinate, but it's just kind of funny that way. So I wonder if um, Daredevil will ever uh, be in the courtroom against uh, She-Hulk. Uh, supposedly in the comic, in the movie TV series that's on right now, yes. Oh, really? Daredevil, uh, Matt Murdock. Well, that's going to be interesting. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, Matt Murdock was also in the, the uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man movie, so, mm-hmm. you know. Not a okay. huge thing, but we didn't know he was Daredevil at the time. Yeah. It's just Matt Murdock, blind lawyer. <laughs> so, you know, we've got the weird similarities in these two comic book series. And, you know, they've been, they've both been running for a long time now. So it's just odd. Now, obviously. No, I, 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 was gonna, I was just going to say. Love- yeah, Sorry. I was, that's what you're, you're, you and I are trying to say the same thing. When I, Growing up, I used to be a huge Ninja Turtles fan. I mean, that was just what everything was about. And that's where you were. And. Uh, I wish I still had some of the collectibles I did back then. But I do remember, Jeremy, what you're saying. You watch the cartoon and even the movies. And then I found the comic books. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I have, I have action figures. I've got comic books. I've got, you know, the movies and other collectible stuff. Um, and, yeah. and you know, we watched the TV show Daredevil. And I thought, oh, my. <laughs> no, that one, that one that was, was a little violent. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit a little too violent. I thought it was well done. I thought mm-hmm. the character was interesting. But the, the, the violence level was a little bit too much for me. But, um, yeah, so you can see how the it parallels each other. And I that was kind of neat. Yeah, so it's just kind of a, a fascinating comic book thing. I mean, you know, uh, I, obviously Daredevil started first and has been running for longer, but there have been variations on Daredevil 
Um, you know, just like they re- reboot the universe every few years and everything changes a little bit and they get different costumes and stuff. So, you know, there's different versions of the Ninja Turtles and stuff, depending on who's publishing what. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to attest to the fact that in comic books, the idea of rebooting the universe, it can be very beneficial. It can be really very beneficial when you need to change storylines because something stupid happened or you ended up somewhere you didn't want to be. So yeah, you right. see this in a lot of different places, you know, it's, uh, you know, the writers could write themselves into a corner. I, I mean, yeah. when you're doing stuff like that, I can, and at least with comic books, there is that flexibility already established. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. why it's, it's hard when you get into like Star Trek and Star Wars, they don't really have that concept of, you know, established. So I think it's kind of shocking for the older fans. Yeah. Well, Star Trek certainly tried to do it. I'm, I don't know the 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 reboot on that. I've always said this. I love the actors. I think the cast did a great job. I just don't see the need to blow up the Enterprise in every movie. But you know, so say love the. This is user friendly two point We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Another fun week this week. And there's another series that has come out. Now, I haven't had a chance to watch it, but Jeremy and Gretchen, I know you have. And it's She She Hulk Attorney at Law, I believe is the name of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I want yep. to say it's from Disney Plus. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, it's the latest in the Marvel series TV shows. I've heard of She Hulk, but I don't know mm-hmm. a lot about that character. So tell us about She Hulk Attorney at Law. Uh, okay, she is Bruce Banner's cousin, Jennifer Walters. So there's a you know familial relationship there. Uh, they were in an accident together. She got a transfusion unwillingly of Bruce's blood, and Bruce's blood carries weird, crazy stuff because he's the Hulk, the Hulk stuff. So right. yeah, so she she unwillingly gets um, Hulk Hulked. serum, or yeah, whatever you um, want to call it. She gets Hulked. Um, <laughs> And, you know, in the in this TV series, Bruce spends most of the first episode trying to teach her how to be a superhero. And she's like, I don't want to be a superhero. I didn't sign up for this. I want to be a lawyer. Yes, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> because that's what she is. Yeah, so, single, <laughs> you know, she wants to be, she wants to go back to law, go back to her, her law practice and be, you know, Jennifer, not Hulk. And um, so everyone's surprised about the whole thing. Her family you know, doesn't know about it until near the end of the episode when she becomes the Hulk in the courtroom. So, oh, yeah. She was kind of, well, it was an emergency situation. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and <laughs> she, uh, she breaks the fourth wall more than Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. And it's so, funny. It's funny. Wow. It's really funny. It and and and, it, and it, the her breaking the fourth wall really seems to pull you into her world. It's like, it's like your her friends hanging out and uh, you're just along for the ride, and it's funny. So, I yeah, don't... She has to navigate being a lawyer and only being a lawyer for the law firm that wants her for her Hulk, not being the lawyer. So mm. she, they wanted they wanted a Hulk lawyer, and it's just and so she, so they don't want her to be Jennifer; they want her to be She Hulk. Yes, now, I so... can think of some times in the legal <laughs> profession where that might be of a benefit. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, when you object, you could really object, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but there's going to be other things because you can't necessarily go after the, you know, the whole, every other part of the court system because you're the Hulk, you know, then they'll be mad at you. And she also has, um, um, more focus than Bruce, which I think kind of upset him. Uh, because uh, she can control her Hulk state, unlike when Bruce first started, he just went nuts, right? You know, right. and he tear, you know, Hulk, ah, you know, he Hulk smash, yeah. yeah. And she's not like that, so he was a little bit oh, darn a little it, cheese, because yeah, they he spent the first episode trying to teach her, and you know, it, it's actually pretty funny. I've we've really enjoyed it. All right, well, she Hulk attorney at law on Disney Plus. Until next week, this is user friendly two keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014-2022, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc., all rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host, and not necessarily those of the User-Friendly Media Group, Inc., or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.